Hello, folks. Thank you for joining me. My name is Kyle. Uh, this is my show. We are going to be discussing many of things on this show. Um, I am super excited to be doing this. Um, my goal here is to be doing something different every week, not just overlapping, talking about the same things. Um, so if there's something you're passionate about, there's something that you really just want to have fun and talk about, um, or anything like that, maybe a hobby that you want to come on and share with me as well, that will be great. I am looking forward to any discussions. Um, today, I have a dear friend of mine. His name is Christel Benny. He did wake my ass up really early today to re-record this because my dumbass did forget to save everything. So um, all I am going to say is that thank you, Chris, for bringing me on. Uh, a little pissed that it's so early, but uh, Chris, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, that one, that one's definitely going to fall on me. Uh, I'm sorry about that. Um, but I, I swear it, it was really shitty because I was just sitting here and I was listening to it, playing it back. And thank God, because the first hour, actually half hour was choppy because of the recording. Um, it was all like a bunch of me fiddling with the microphones, trying to get it to work. Um, so I, I will be, um, I, I will be a little more focused with that as well and saving it and on top of my shit. So I apologize. But, um, today, uh, Chris has come to me. He is very into sports. He really wants to be talking basketball. It's a new hot topic right now. Um, well, in the sports world, just because it's the playoffs, that's really when people kind of come and they really buckle down. You notice the difference because they really do buckle down. It, the level of play changes astronomically in the playoffs. It's not even the same. Like the calls are tighter. Everything changes. You see players are starting to play way more aggressive. They're up yep. in your grill a lot more. And uh, the, even though the coaching, you can see the coaching. It's like, the coaching intensifies. They're game planning. They strategize, i.e. Ben Simmons. Everybody knows this man cannot shoot the ball. During the season, you're like, this guy's an all-star. He's a top 20 player. And then it comes to the playoffs, and this man gets game planned for and schemed for. And he's made irrelevant on the floor. Chris, do you not agree with this? Because, you know, it's, 
I guess the stakes are higher. I wish it would kind of be that way all the way through. But I, I guess so. Here's my question: um, Why do you hate? Why do you hate? Are you are you talking about like the players, like how they they turn it up a notch, or are you saying like how the calls are different? And um, yeah, they start I think it's calling. A combination of those two things, to be honest with you. You what? So I think it's a combination of those two things. You know, like I think it's a combination of the fact that like you know effort isn't really that high during the regular season, at least in a lot of instances, and that's that's a factor in a multitude of things. But I don't know. I just like like you were talking about. You know, you can be more handy in the playoffs. Um, you can you can be a little like fouls or or calls are officiated a little differently. I think refs kind of have a tendency to swallow their whistle more. I've always been an advocate of, you know, let the boys play. I think that's probably more of the style I've always played with. When I play basketball, you know, I'm going to be hands on the physical. I think that's part of the game. I feel like the physicality aspect of it is kind of is, is different, you know, in the playoffs and in the regular season. And to me, that just, I don't know, I, I wish it would kind of be the same way across the board rather than, than you know, appreciate it one way and then not one way. Yeah, but I feel like I feel like the calls should be more restricted in the playoffs because the the games the games do mean more. I mean, they simply do. The playoffs, it, it, yeah. you now have a limited number of games, so I feel like they should be tighter in the playoffs. I get the whole you know the players not playing in during the season. You know, I, I understand that argument is like as far as you know that's getting annoying and. You, you want them to, you know, like the NFL, you want them to be playing hard every single game. But in the reality, over 82 games, I think you're going to start seeing superstars now only play 65 games in a season. Yeah. I just don't I mean, think And maybe, maybe, but here's the thing. It's like, I, I want your opinion on this too. Uh, it, it's like you know, everyone starts talking. Well, the solution is to shorten the season. Yeah, but if you shorten the season to sixty-five, I feel like these players are now only going to play like forty-nine games, fifty games. Like they're going to still cut that short too. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind the length. I mean, I, I think the and, and not the topic, but I think the only sport where where the regular season is too long is, is Major League Baseball. I don't have a problem with the length of the NBA. I think it's fine. I think they've done a really good job. You know. Like, Cutting back on the back-to-backs, I, I think they they moved that around a lot, and, and I can appreciate that. Because man, if you're an NBA player, I can't even imagine what it's like where you're playing a game in in Detroit, right? And then you got to then like you end that game at like 10, 11 o'clock, get on the plane, and you fly to the new time zone. By the time you get in your hotel, it's like six in the morning, and then you got to shoot around like five hours later, and then it's game time. Like I can't even imagine the kind of travel that that kind of impact it has on the body. So. I think they've done a good job of like spreading around the back to back so that not that so the eighty two season eight two game season isn't as grueling as it typically was in the past, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really care too much about the length either. Um for me what it sounds like is um I think I think you're gonna start seeing honestly, like I, I just I just really believe that the back-to-backs, cutting back is great. The season staying the same is great. I just – you're getting into this pickle, in my opinion, where the NBA is now getting yelled at by fans like, oh, I spent X amount of money to see LeBron James with my kid, and he didn't play because of load management. And they're going to get they're gonna get shit for that. And so on top of that, now you have these players who are saving themselves to the playoffs. 
And then you, you know, are, are missing 20 games during the season and not trying as hard in the season because there's so many, so many games. And then now fans are getting upset about it because they're not seeing their favorite player during the season. Um, I, I, I just think, I, I don't know, I don't know the, I'm not going to sit here and say I know the solution to it, but I definitely think the difference between, um, the playoffs in the regular season is very noticeable, but I think it should be. Um, it, it's like the whole thing. It's like, you know, your star player, if they're not elevating their level of play into the postseason, you're like, well, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You should be elevating your play into the postseason. Your, yeah. your best player, if he's averaging 25, should be averaging 27 in the postseason minimum because that's that's the whole point. And I feel like that kind of goes with the theme of, the refs are going to do that better. They're probably going to be a lot tighter with their whistles, just calling things during the season, um, you know, giving the players what they need kind of sort of thing. Uh, but during the playoffs, like, they're like, all right, we're going to let you guys play now, and we're going to be a lot. I, right. And, and, you know, Charles makes that argument. Charles Berkeley makes that argument all the time, the one that you kind of are making where it's like, you've been doing it for seven months calling it this way, and now all of a sudden you're going to change it. Like, that is where yeah, he gets upset with the inconsistency. But I, again, like, I just think that the whistle should be looser in the postseason because I don't want your – I don't want my games covered in controversy. So stay out of it. Because the more, the tighter you are with your whistle, it just gives everybody in the world an excuse to go, well, if they had called it like this or like that, like we would have won. And the NBA doesn't want that. They want you to enjoy the games. They want they don't want you to have your games covered in controversy. And so I think that's why it's great that they are looser with their whistle. Oh, I agree. I, I, I honestly appreciate that. I think I think it's better when when a game is in the hands of the officials. I, I think, and this is just personally for me, I can live with it if it's you know like there's a little bit of contact on like a last shot at the end of the game, like. It's something not like I don't know. I, I just appreciate it when when you know you're, you're going up against someone else and it's you versus him and there's no external factors. I think that definitely just ramps up in the playoffs because I mean as we've seen, I mean think about it, man. Across all sports, how many blown calls have we seen this year where people are freaking out? I mean, and it's calls that have obviously changed the complexion of teams and seasons. So I think when you bring that into question, it just adds like an unnecessary light that doesn't need to be there. So I'm all for you know letting, letting the guys play. Letting it be a little more physical, uh, ramping it up a little more, at least from like a physicality and competitiveness perspective. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Um, but uh, oh damn, there was just something I was just gonna be asking you too about that. Um, well, I can't remember, but I guess that's a great segue then for us to change topics into um, dive into a little bit of what you think your hot takes are gonna be. Give me two hot takes right now about the NBA. Gotcha. Okay. First one. Uh, first off, I'm gonna do this partially to pitch you off and partially because that's how I feel. LeBron James is the greatest player of all time, and, you, and what? I'm doing this partially again because I know I know your blood is boiling hearing that come through the phone. I, I can just I can feel it. So let me start. First off, I think LeBron James, like we can talk about his record in the finals, and we can talk about his shortcomings, but. If you really want to be honest, man, the team, all the teams that he's faced, minus the Dallas Mavericks, I think are teams that are some of the greatest teams of all time. So the fact that he even 
like push some of those teams or, you know, like did what he did against some of them. Like the, those, this Warriors team will go down as one of the greatest. Like the first team that he faced in the finals will go down as one of the greatest. Like whether they are, whether like they were flashy or not, like the first team is five and one in the finals. Like Ron Young holds their only loss. And when you just look at Booker Carlson as a player, man, like what he's done, I think he, like I love Jordan. I think Jordan is, is incredible. Obviously, I didn't get to watch him as a kid, but. I don't know, man. I just, I just think if you look at the skill set, if you look at the, you look at everything LeBron does compared to what Jordan does, I mean, I know that, that there are some things maybe defensively, and, and just from you know just a will to win perspective that Jordan just just was different at. But I don't know, man. I just think LeBron James as an overall player, what he brings from a skill set perspective, like I think LeBron James is, is, is already the greatest player that we that we've ever seen play the game, uh, just across the board. I mean. Um, you know, we've never seen someone with his height, you know, be almost like a pass first point guard, but still go out and get 28 a game easily, you know? And I, I just, I have to show LeBron James overall, if you're, possible. You're kidding. Of all time. And, Matt, you know, maybe that's, that's some bias, but. Literally I, I, Magic I Johnson. Magic Johnson literally is the tall passing point guard that you were just talking about before LeBron James. That is Magic Johnson. Yeah. But again, but Magic Johnson, Magic Johnson wasn't able to score at the court with Bronco. That's what I'm saying. I'm doing everything. Like, he, I, don't, I really, I really, I'm besides the defense, I really see efficiency in his game. And back, that's just because he's older now. Like, yeah, so look, I, that's, I, that's my first time. I get it. Like, I, I understand. Trust me, I, I get it. Like, he is not the bit, he's not that great a scorer as LeBron is. But, dude, he was still a magnificent offensive player. And here's the other thing. In in the postseason and in the finals, like Magic was clutch, dude. Magic always brought his oh, A game. Did you say that? I mean, you saw that? You realize they used to call him Tragic Johnson? That was nothing, dude. He's folded in the finals a couple times. Like, people forget that. He got swept by the Sixers team that one year. He got he got beat by he got beat by the Celtics one year, and it was absolutely his fault. Like, he had a massive turnover. Like there were a couple of things in one of those series where. He was just bad. And again, I'm not trying to say Magic Johnson is terrible. He's not the best point guard I think that's ever played. But I just, you know, I, I think, I, I mean, everyone has a blip on their radar on the playoffs. I think people forget, too, that before Scottie Pippen came to the, to the, to the Bulls, that Jordan was 1-9 in the playoffs. You know? I think that there's other factors. Yeah, but that's that a bit unfair because, that's a bit unfair because he was also, like, to your argument, he was going against the greatest teams of all time. He was going against he was going against a Boston Celtics team that was going to end up winning three three titles. Yeah, he was. I mean, I mean, okay, you can say that, but these LeBron James single handedly beat a Detroit Pistons team that I'm pretty sure has gone to the conference finals at least three or four years in a row, and he was what twenty two. I know, I know for a fact Michael Jordan wasn't doing that twenty two. I mean, maybe you know that was more of a different team, but. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure too that Detroit Pistons team. That Detroit. Don't get me wrong. I know that I know the series you're talking about, and in that series, yes, LeBron James played absolutely out of his mind. Um, he he was a man on a mission, single-handedly kind of going to the finals. I, I I understand that, and I recognize that as talent. And then he went and got dicked on for nothing by the Spurs. And then on top of this, like that that Pistons team was like that was their last hurrah. That was they had won the title in two thousand four 
in 2004. This was their right. last go yeah, round. Right. Like they weren't they weren't the same Pistons as when they won the title. Uh, they were older. They were slower. They were they broke up the next year. That team got dismantled the very next year because Chauncey Billups went to um, went to the Denver Nuggets. I'll get that back. Like that whole team dismantled. Um, I think it was Rasheed Wallace went to the Celtics or something. Like the the whole team broke right. up, and it, it, they weren't the same team. So yes, he did a great job and he did that. But like he was going against the Celtics when the Celtics were about to win their first, second, and third title. Like that's what he was doing. And then he was losing with Scottie Pippen to the Bad Boys of Detroit, who went and they were the ones who had to dethrone the Celtics. And then then it was the Celtic, or then it was the Bulls' turn to dethrone them. And then they just dominated for the next eight years, excluding the two years right. they retired. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Uh, again, it's, it's more of a personal thing. You know, maybe it's just no, 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 no. Don't, don't shy. If that's your, if that's your stance, that's your stance. Defend that shit. I don't care. I don't care if you, you know, if you're right or wrong. Defend your point, dog. I, I am, I am totally yeah. down for you to have your opinion. I just disagree with it. I think, I think, I think LeBron is on in. And I think this is a very fair comment, and you know my my disappreciation for LeBron James. I don't like him, but Chris Paul getting hurt last year in the conference finals up three two, like Rockets are going away with that. So I think that the Warriors side, and not to discredit like they're down because I think they are a great team, but I just feel like they never really had to go through struggle to win a championship that usually could have been handed to them or, or a team has folded. I think the one time that they actually were met with some resistance and, and I know that you'll swear to uh so the cows come home that, that that 2016 finals was kind of rigged, but I mean that was the first time where they were where they were met with some adversity and, and they folded like a like a cheap fucking lawn chair if I'm being honest with you. Yeah but so, then if you want to go down uh, the excuses that's my second day. If you're going to go down the excuses route, here's the only issue with your argument, is then you, you open the door to the 2016 title by the Cavs of being not counting either because you had the best player in this in the – I'm not going to say in the series because LeBron played really well that series, but the best player on the Warriors gets suspended for a pivotal closeout game at home. And then on top of that, you also throw into the fact that Steph Curry ends up getting surgery on his ankles after the series ends. Like, dude, he was injured. He played through it. He needed surgery after the season. Like, that's an injury to a key player of that team. And if you really look at it, the whole KD thing, yeah, while it pisses me off too, and I don't necessarily agree with it, I was, I'm very, very fair. And I would say I'm very fair. Is I gave LeBron and Dwayne Wade shit for their whole big three in Miami. I didn't count any of those titles. And I gave shit to KD as soon as he joined the Warriors. And I am on your side on this. I do think that it is bullshit. But that Warriors team, I think, are proving right now that they didn't necessarily need Kevin Durant. Which, you know, I don't know if that whether that whether or not that helps or hinders your argument. I would say it probably could help it. Um, as far as, like, making it, their titles even further more legitimate. But um, I don't know. I, I, so, I, yeah, I I want to rebuttal you on because I know I know what you're saying with the 2060 finals and Draymond getting suspended. But I mean, like if you look back on it, like he got suspended because that was the fifth or the set, the third or fourth time that he blatantly tried to like hit someone in their nuts. Like, but it was I know that like I know that it was on the court though. Uh, over him, but, but here's the thing though. 
that call was that call was he got suspended after the game and they went and looked at it. It was called a common foul on the on the floor. Right, but again, dude, that's what I'm saying. When they looked at it, it's like, okay, Draymond Green has tried to cut check like three or four people in these playoffs in one way or another, by foot or by hand. Like I'm not I'm not saying that like I, I think it's it's almost a little BS that he got it, maybe, but I, I kinda also see why they suspended him like the, the dude, the dude was almost making people have to wear cups. Like, no, dude, he did not deserve. Yeah, man, I'm down. He did not deserve. It's, it's my bad, man. I'm, I'm, I think man. at worst, what you could have done in that series, what you should have done, is if you wanted to go back and look at the tape and really, and really, really uh, try and get him in trouble, you look at the tapes, you go back, you give him another technical, maybe a double technical, whatever you want, but you don't suspend him in a pivotal game five. And you're suspend. Not only are you suspending a key player, but he was the best player on the Warriors that series, hands down. He was leading them in every single category: points, uh, rebounds, assists. I mean, he was guarding LeBron really well whenever he had to. He was a he was a key defender on LeBron. Um, I mean, dude, look at game the first four games, the last three games, the difference in what LeBron how he played. Like, LeBron's oh numbers in the last three games are totally phenomenal. different than the first four games. Ridiculous. Yeah. Like, 41, 41, and then a 28 triple-double. But that's that's my point. Is like, like, that, 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 that suspension was so key. And then, that's all I'm saying. What, I, don't, I don't necessarily disagree I, with your, your, what you're saying on as far as if you're out there, right. you should be playing. But if you're going to go down the rabbit hole of, well, they didn't play this team who was fully healthy, and this guy had an injured player, it's like, okay, well – Draymond was suspended for Game Five. Steph Curry had two sur- had both his ankles have surgery. Like you just open yourself up to that as well on your side, and it, you could argue that for about every team. I think every team goes through that. Like, yeah, okay, they got a little lucky, but sometimes that's what winning a title is. Sometimes it's you, got, yeah. you caught a break in Game Five and Six. Sometimes it's you know a, a key player got hurt, and that doesn't make your title any more or less legitimate. As much as it's like okay. We got our break. That's what it is. Like you're, you're lucky to do that. I think, uh, like yeah. Kawhi Leonard shot against the Sixers. Like, yes, that was a lucky shot. It bounced seven times on the rim and, and fell in. But that doesn't make it any less yeah, of a great you know, shot. Even though, even related to that shot, like, like, sorry to get off point here, but like. Wow, that that pissed me off with Ben Simmons did, man. Like I like you know that Kawhi Leonard is taking that shot and he just lagged off and said, You got it, Joel. Like yeah, are you kidding but me? Like that that was something that I, I I don't really get upset about Ben Simmons with that and here's why. Just because as a defender, when you're when you have two people who you're trying to double when you're trying to double somebody into the corner, especially into the corner, you're already out of lack of real estate. And the last thing you want to do is bump into your defender who, or, or your other co-defender and then give them possibly an open shot. At that point, you let your 7-2 center, you kind of have to just relay it off to him because he's got a better angle. He's 7-foot-2. So? He's got a good wingspan. I mean, that you really don't have an option. It's like in basketball. It's like I get furious about it when I'm playing pickup. I'll be guarding somebody, and he's slashing in the lane, and I'm going, and then all of a sudden my fucking big's there, and I'm running into him. I'm like, motherfucker, like, I'm fine. Let me guard him. But you, you do roll off because worst case scenario is I keep going and then I just tr- end up tripping over my big. My big gets stumbled on because we just collided and now the guy's got a pretty wide open shot that's probably pretty makeable. You kind of get forced into a re-laying off. Like if he pulled up 
five feet earlier, I think you would have saw Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid both hands in his face. But there just wasn't the real estate there in the corner. I mean, he was in the fucking dead corner. The thing with me though is no one, no one for Toronto had made a shot down the stretch. Like not one person. It was all Kawhi. Like those guys, it was like hot potato with the ball. If anyone else on the Raptors besides Kawhi got the ball, it was find Kawhi and get him the ball. Like I don't know. Maybe this is just me, but if your team is getting fried by one guy, like one guy is just cooking you. Like you know he's going to take the last shot. Like I'm not letting him beat me. Like I'm just not letting him. Like, yeah, but they ran him off. Has- they ran him off two screens. And then he took the ball and he just ran to the corner. And I mean, it was a great drawn up play. I mean, Kawhi knew that's his shot. Like, I I think yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, you got to be doubling him. You know he's you know he's getting the ball. But at the end of the day, you also have four other professional athletes out there who I get it. You you would rather have one of them beat you than Kawhi Leonard. But they're still professional athletes, and if they're wide open, hitting the wide like they have a really high chance of hitting a wide open shot. They're still professional athletes, right? I mean, you, you leave. You see these players where if they're left open, it's like their chances of it going in if they're wide open goes from like if they're a thirty-five percent three-point shooter and they're wide open, that chance goes from thirty-five to like eighty-five because these guys train so much. Like these, you're talking about guys who in practice, if they're doing a round of ten, like they're probably more than likely going nine for ten or ten for ten. They just don't fucking miss right. when they're wide open. They just don't. Yeah, but I, I think a shot like that in practice is different than, than a shot to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, like I just think it mean, it's different. And, and I don't know, man. We've seen the Raptors. They they are the kings of, of shrinking. And I just, I don't know. That, that's just my personal yeah. opinion. I just, I just feel like in that situation, like, Ben Simmons has to double him, like, at all costs. I just don't but think like, he had the real it, estate, I, I too, if I'm being about. honest. I, I think that's what it really comes down to. Like, I understand what you're saying, and he was there, but... He just didn't have the real estate to really go up. I mean, if you look at it, look at Joel Embiid's positioning compared to him. Like, what's what's Ben Simmons going to do? He, he's going to put his hand up and block his view from his elbow, like his shoulder? I mean, like, he, he didn't have an angle to really guard him. I mean, if you really go back and yeah. look at it, you're going to see, you're going to be like, when he passed him off, you're like, okay, yeah, I mean, there it is. What else are you going to do? You can't force him out. I mean... I don't know. That's my opinion of it. I think he did all right. I think it's just a good shot. I mean, and then he, like we said, he got lucky. It it, it rolled the right way. Um, I really thought that right. shot was going to give Kawhi Leonard more of an emotional attachment to to Toronto. And what sucks is they should have won Game One against the Bucks. They actually should have. Um, they lost that game, but I mean, now it's looking like they're not going to go to the finals. Um, so Kawhi Leonard's gone. Um, he, he's yep. definitely going. Um, so I guess to kind of like relay this into my hot take, my hot take is Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard will be a Laker next year. Kawhi Leonard will be a Laker, you said. And it bothers me. <laughs> it really bothers me. Dude, I mean, as much as I'd want to see that, I, I don't see I don't think that's possible. I don't think I don't think you'd do it. Well, I mean, LeBron was just in Philly talking to him. I mean, apparently they really, really, they really like each other. Uh, or they're like fond of each other, sort of thing. Here's here's my argument, and this is my my buddy's kind of convinced me on this, and I hate it. And my only my only thing I can say as far as an argument is that not L.A. 
but the Lakers are just not Kawhi. It's not his personality. It's not who he is. It's not at all. He's not the flashy L.A. primetime type of guy. And I think that's the only thing that would keep him from going to the Lakers. I don't know. Because if he goes to the Lakers, and I've been trying to make this argument with my buddy, who he's a diehard Lakers fan, and he hates LeBron, which is funny. Um, He hates LeBron, but he... He thinks that if Kawhi comes to the Lakers, that him and everybody in the league will know that it is Kawhi Leonard's team. And I was like, that's not true at all. I'm like, that's not true at all. Everybody knows if he goes to that team, it's still going to be LeBron's team. I get LeBron's older, and he's he's definitely slowing down. But there's nobody in the world who's going to sit there and be like, oh, that's Kawhi's team. LeBron's now the number two. Nobody's going to think that. Not one person in the world is going to think that. To be honest with you, I don't even think Kawhi Leonard wants it to be his team. I don't think Kawhi Leonard wants to go somewhere and have to face face the media and answer questions. Well, like, apparently like, you know, rumors are coming out that like one of the things that he kind of was getting bothered about was he's never really in the discussion for being a top player in the league. Man, I'll tell you this, though. I would love to see Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James team up. That would be a combination that would... Yeah, cool. but then like... I, I, don't know how, I don't know how that team would look with him and LeBron on it, though. Like... Where does Ingram fall into that? Like, where do you put Kuzma? Like, uh, that's a, that, that's an interesting dynamic. They would be long, though. They would be really long. Oh, they would be a great team, and I think they would do really, really well. I just think I I would go down the same path as everybody did with the Heat and the Warriors. I'd be like, that doesn't count. I'd be like, you yeah, you think so? Just Kawhi and LeBron? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about, in my opinion, I think LeBron's the fourth best player in the NBA. I think, um, given his age now, and you know he's on a little bit of a decline. I and I think Kawhi is probably the best player in the league. I truly, truly, truly believe that. I I, I just I would be disappointed in Kawhi Leonard if he did that. Wow, well, you know what I could see happening if, if that happens. I could see the Lakers. If Kawhi signs the Lakers, I could see the Lakers trying to go for like an AD or something like that to, to build like a new big three, like really pushing for it because now they got the number four pick in the draft and they could throw in a bunch of other players. Yeah, like, but it's not a at deep that point, draft. I think, it's not a deep draft. And on top, the number four pick's not really an enticing pick because it's really only the top three in the in this draft this yeah, year that are like game-changing players. Who are you going to get, Taco... Taco Hill or whatever his name is from UCF. No, I think they said no. some guy from Vanderbilt is slated to go forth. I don't really know much about him. Yeah, I just don't see him being a, a franchise-type player. Like, the top three in the draft this year, you could build a team around. Um, I just don't see that with the number four pick. But, yes, you could use that as something to slate uh, a deal. I just don't think they, the Lakers – because the Lakers right now, they have room to sign a max player. Like, they have room. And so they would go for Kawhi Leonard, and they wouldn't have to give anything up. But if they go for AD, they're going to have to give up probably, like, their core talent. And right, like, they'd have to give up, like, at least Kuzma, Ingram, Lonzo, or a combination of those three. I would like, think you'd have, have to give up all that three. Drastic. I think you would have to give up all three in order to get Anthony Davis. Still, uh, I don't know. At that point, it's like, damn, like, are you offloading too much? I mean, they were offering more for him. And yeah, that's what I say. I heard, I heard that. I heard the Pelicans kind of, like, put that out there just to kind of fuck over the Lakers. Like, they wouldn't really like that. But 
Oh, no, no. It, they definitely offered everything for Anthony Davis. And they offered the shot. Honestly, the I loathe, I absolutely loathe the Pelicans for not taking that deal because that deal would have single-handedly destroyed the Lakers franchise for the next five years. That trade would have absolutely destroyed that team. They should have jumped yeah. on that. If they really had an issue with the Lakers, and this also dates back to their history with trying to get Chris Paul from them. If this, I think they just have a grudge towards each other. Um, they should have, that would have been the ultimate revenge on the Lakers. You would have dismantled that team. That team is not going to win anything. Right. If they trade all those players for Anthony Davis, they would have lost Kuzman, Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and their first-round pick for um, for Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, while he's a great player, is not going to make anything better for that team. He's not going to make that team right. better, dude. He's absolutely not. And then if you take away their core young talent, that that team does nothing. I don't even know that that team makes the playoffs. And if they do, they're getting out in the first round because what they needed was shooters, and Anthony Davis isn't adding that. Yes, you can put him and LeBron in the pick and roll, but you can let that go off and then hold the role players to very minimal points, and you're going to win because Anthony Davis right. and LeBron James are not going to score 100 points together. They're not both dropping 50. They're not. Right. I, I'm pissed yeah, at the Pelicans didn't take it. They would have destroyed the Lakers. The Lakers in three years would have had to completely rebuild. They probably would have traded LeBron. Um, that, that team just would have been dismantled. So the Pelicans, New Orleans, if you're listening to this, you guys fucked up. You guys seriously fucked up. <laughs> you guys should have jumped on that like a fat kid on a fallen ice cream cone, man. Wow, could you imagine that New Orleans team if they had like – they got Julius Randle, they got, uh, they had Ingram, Kuzma, Ball, now they got um, Zion with Drew Holiday and whoever else in that roster. Like, that would be a nice young team. And then, Yeah, dude, that team would have been so good. Here's the thing I think is going to happen now, and uh, this is my second hot take. Anthony Davis is going to be in New York, and R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson are going to team up in New Orleans. Oh, so you think you think the Knicks are going to trade Barrett to New Orleans and that and for like AD with, along with something else? I mean, I don't know why Nor- Nola wouldn't do that. Anthony Davis doesn't want to be there. Um, you already have a decent core talent, young core talent, and then you add into the fact that now you're going to get the two best players in this year's draft, who are both franchise players on your team. Right. Dude, that's like a De'Aaron Fox, uh, Marvin Bagley situation you got going on in NOLA. It is. That would be – and, dude, Julius Randle just came off a really good season. I'm pretty sure he put up like 21. Um, I don't know what he's going to command contract-wise, but I like him as a player. I think that would, that would be a really nice young team if they could, if they could build around that. But I, I do think, though, from what I've heard, is that it sounds like the Pelicans are going to try and convince AD to stay. They're going to be like, look at this young team we have, like – yeah, but I mean, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if AD's gonna buy that. I don't think he will because I, I, I thought reports came out like right after the lottery. They were like, Anthony Davis still wants to be traded. Yeah, but I think, I think it's the Pelicans. Like, notion that we're gonna try and convince. Okay. He got another year so of here's contract. Like, I right? want to talk yeah. to you about. Here's something that I want to talk to you about. Here, I hate. I get pissed off with the fact that these NBA players who come out and they do the whole, this is such horse shit. You guys are always sit here and demand loyalty, but then when I demand a trade, all this and like, or we get traded by the franchise that is not loyalty, and it's like, it's like it's different from a. I think of it as you can't compare the two. It's not. It's apples and oranges. 
between a player having the option to stay or not and then the, the franchise getting rid of you. I think or I don't think those are the same thing. I don't think you can make that argument where it's like you always see these players like LeBron, who when Anthony Davis was asking and demanding for a trade, everybody in New Orleans got pissed off and they were like, you know, now all of a sudden they hated him and they were like, you know, you're not loyal, blah blah blah. And then with Demar Derozan being traded after he signed an extension, there's always like this fake loyalty thing. I'm like, I don't think that's fair because. You're going as a player. You have way more control over your destiny, I think, particularly when uh, you're a free agent. Like, you're the one electing to not stay. Like, they want you where the team, it's like, yeah, they're getting rid of you and they chose not to be with you anymore. But at the same time, you've been there for seven years. I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking in circles. So what I'm, from what I'm getting from you, it sounds like you're kind of like sympathizing more with the team, like with the franchise, rather than like where the general public seems to sympathize with the player. Because like a player was like, oh, like a franchise has like control over us, like they can drop us at the drop of a dime. But you know, like if we want to be in there, man, these last couple of games is really just like wow. Like I, 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 I have my qualms with Steph Curry. I feel like he shows up in like series like these, like against the Blazers and. I don't know who they played last. I forget who they played last series, but you know, I feel like he, or Houston, where like, where like he pops off in the world, like wow, like Steph Curry. But yeah, you got to include him, man. I mean, he, he's just on another level right now. I think the the sustained excellence yeah. over the years, like he's definitely in the top five. I put him five. I put Giannis four. Uh, like I said, I, I think just want to say, folks. I just want to say, folks. He did when we recorded this the first time. He did not have Steph Curry in. That means in this I know, past yeah, week, I know, I know. Steph Curry I, I, really, I changed my take. He really, really. Yeah, really I mean, looking back on it, man, like I'll explain. I, I flipped, I flipped the two that I like, the one that I had in before, and the one that I with, with Steph now. So we'll talk about that when we get to overrated. But <laughs> yeah, so number number four, I got I got Giannis. I think Giannis is the the most dominant per, player around the basket that we have in the game. I think for a guy who doesn't have a jump shot or at all, or at least a small semblance of one. The fact that you know he's going straight to the to the rim and, and you can't do anything about it, I think it, it, he's just being on another level, at least from that perspective. Uh, I, like we said, I, I wish Ben Simmons would be more like that, like he can't fucking shoot. But I would put Giannis at four. Um, three, I would put... Hmm, I'd put Kawhi Leonard at three right now. Um, best two-way player in the game. Um... I, I, again, I, I think the, the thing that, that stops me from putting him higher is, is I don't think he does much other than you know being a straight-up scorer and a defender. And I think he creates a lot out of his defense. But, again, dude, I think if you look at his numbers, he averages like three assists a game. So, yeah. I mean, realistically, that is my I think one, That is my one can... flaw with him. Is I, I was saying this uh, with a friend of mine. Is I'm like, you know, the one yeah, thing about Kawhi Leonard is I feel like the offense is – Kawhi, try and get a shot. If you can't get a shot, pass it out. We'll post you up. And then if not, we just better hope our defense holds you. And then we'll try exactly. it again on the ne- next week. I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. No, I, I feel so, it. All right, so that's so who's, what, who's yeah. number two then? Two is Kevin Durant to me. Um, and the reason I can't put Kevin Durant one, I think a lot of people do, is I think Kevin Durant's just a scorer. And, and I think that Kevin Durant is good on defense, but – it's because he's like seven, whatever. He's over seven feet, like in a wingspan, like the whole nine. Like he should be good on defense. Like he has no excuse not to be good on defense. But again, I don't think Kevin Durant does a lot when it comes to you know passing the ball, 
don't think he does. I mean, and that kind of like getting everyone involved from an all-around player perspective. Like, but I mean, easily the most lethal scorer we have in the game. I mean, next to Kareem, dude, can you think of a guy who has a, who's more impossible to defend? I mean, a guy who can dribble and pull up from anywhere at that height, like at that length. So I, I mean, I think Kevin Durant's on his way, like to becoming the best player in the league. But I think like the fact that the one. He always he doesn't really get other players involved from like a passing perspective, and, and two man, I think if you think about it, he gets hurt a lot. Like he's been hurt the last couple of years, like from multiple multiple times, either regular season or post, where he's missing some time. So yeah, but I think in the regular Durant. season, those are more fake injuries where it's like, hey, I'm just a little sore. Can I just get like four days rest? And then they just say, oh, he's got a muscle spasm or some shit. I don't think it's really. Hey, I don't know, man. I mean, last year, what he almost tear his knee. Like he was out like for for at least a month. If you think about it, last year, like this year, there's some time. Uh, well, who knows when he's gonna get back with his calf? So, uh, but again, great player. I think I think eventually Kevin Durant, like if he can come back and win another Finals MVP, I think he gets projected into the top ten players of all time if he if he can cap that off this year. So I would say Kevin Durant's too. Anyway, I'm not one. It's fucking LeBron, fucking James. Like, dude, dude was 28-8-8 off of base. I heard that his injury was way worse than anyone ever predicted. Like, that he was supposed to be out for months rather than weeks. And, and I think that the Lakers obviously fell apart without him. I think that he is a player who does everything for a franchise. He's the, the Swiss Army knife of the NBA. And, and I think that regardless of his injury or his age or lack of defense, that he is still the best player in the game just from what he does in overall totality perspective. Yeah, I don't think you could be more wrong, but uh, everybody's, yeah, entitled we their own everybody's entitled their own opinion. Um, yours is just wrong. But, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my five through one, I got, at number five, I got Steph Curry. Um, honestly, I think he's just, he's playing out of his mind. I think he's kind of put his team on his back right now. And with Kevin Durant being hurt, I think he's kind of going, you know what? You guys forgot that I can still play. You just, you just got to know that with Kevin Durant, I don't have to as much, but I still can play. And he, he's yep. show, they're showing that right now. The Warriors are playing good. They look, they're kind of back to their old warrior self. And it's kind of fun to watch. Um, uh, I, I think with Kevin Durant on the team, it's not the same Warriors team. It just doesn't feel like the same Warriors team. Um, and then when he's off the court, like you're like, okay, this is the Warriors who we loved in 2015. Um, I think uh, number four, I got LeBron James. I think he definitely slowed down noticeably this year. And if his injury was that really bad, like I maybe. And I argue this again with my dumbass friend all the time. And he's like, LeBron's slowing down. And I'm like, why? Are, first of all, I'm like, why are you arguing that LeBron's getting worse? He's on your team. But second, like. I'm like, LeBron James is still such a phenomenal athlete that he's still such a dominant player in the NBA. And I'm like, and I guarantee you, I'm like, he got caught up in the LA thing this year. And I guarantee you that I will guarantee you that next year LeBron comes out and he's going to be a lot different. I think he, I think we're going to see a little version. I, I'm, I don't, I think anybody who's riding LeBron off right now because of the year he had, I think you're probably full of shit. I think he's still the most one of the most dominant players in the NBA. I think if you tell him to turn it on for a game, uh, like a seven-game series, I think you're going to look at one of the more dominant players in the NBA. However, I don't think he. I think there are three people in the NBA who are better than him. 
Um, number three okay. would be Giannis Antetokounmpo. I don't think these top three much separate them. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo is the number three best player in the NBA. I, I think his game this year is speaking for itself. He's just, you know he's not going to shoot, yet he's still scoring 26, and he's still getting into the paint every single time. And you yeah, know he's not going to shoot. Too strong. And he's, you know he's not going to shoot. And that's the part that blows my mind. And I would say that if he develops a shot, he's going to be the greatest player this world's ever seen. And oh, yeah. It'll, it'll take him to a, a completely different level. Better than Jordan. Like a, a, I, I think he'll be better than Jordan. And if you can get him, Chris Middleton is a very good player. I think he's over. I think Chris Middleton is underrated. But if you gave Giannis Antetokounmpo, let's say somebody like a Clay Thompson, like that level of player, like a top 20 to 25 player, I think he wins multiple, multiple rings. I think he wins at least three rings. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess, would you say Chris Middleton's like a lesser version of Clay in a way? Yes, he's definitely a lesser version of Clay. I don't think Chris Middleton's a top 25 player in the league. And no, maybe he I'll might be. So he might be. I just don't, he just doesn't, I don't know, maybe. Maybe he is. But uh, number two, I got Kevin Durant. I do agree. I don't think he's as good a defender as people have been talking about him as. He's a good one, but like you said, he's seven foot two. He's got a seven seven twenty wingspan. I mean, the guy is right. a human version of a fucking spider. Fucking ridiculous. Um, same with Giannis. Yeah, he has no excuse though. not to be a good defender. Zero. Exactly. So I agree. He is a good defender. He is a good defender, and he's definitely a noticeably better defender on the Warriors than he was ever in his life. Um, so I do think he is a good defender, but I don't think he's as good as people think. Um, which leads me to my number one, Kawhi Leonard, who is the best defender in the NBA. I think he is also one of the best scorers in the NBA. I think there's everything in his game. I, I, he can do everything. I would agree the one area he needs help in is passing. And maybe, and maybe, and this is, I, I think, a fair argument to make, is maybe it's because he just doesn't really trust his team in Toronto. And I would say that's fair because if you look at what's going on, like you said earlier in the podcast, they were fucking playing hot potato with that goddamn ball in the last five minutes of game six, seven, and like I think four. Um, when they, yeah, no, not even game six, game four and game seven when the games were actually close because game five and six were blowouts, but like game four and game seven. Last five minutes of the game, everybody's playing fucking hot potato with the ball. And maybe that's yep. why he you're seeing him. And when he does pass, he makes shitty decisions sometimes because it's like, fuck, he's really bit bailing. And he's like, I, I can't score this. I need to pass it. And he panics and throws it out. And he gets stolen. It's a turnover. Or it's just a bad pass. He throws it to somebody who has absolutely no shot. And to me, that just shows a sign like, okay, he really doesn't trust his teammates. And I get it. Like, his teammates also look like they don't want the basketball. And, like, Pascal Siakam nope. looked like he forgot how to play basketball. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he, he looks like he just totally forgot the game and doesn't know how to play this. And he's like, what the fuck are we playing? Um, I, I I don't know. I, I That's why it, it'll be interesting to see what he does next year and where he goes. And I, I think you'll start seeing a different type of player, hopefully. Um, 
So that's my take. But I, I do think he's the best player in the NBA because he can do it all. I mean, he can. He just simply can. I don't, and I think he can really take games over. And I think in the last five minutes, who do I want the ball in the hands of? And I think that's Kawhi Leonard because I think half the time you know he's going to be able to get his shot. And the other half, I think they're going to be either good shots mixed with sometimes being able to find somebody open and score. Um, and then on the other end, you just know he's you're not going to outscore him because he's going to lock your ass up. You know, every whoever he goes against, you're not going to outperform him because he's just going to shut you down defensively. So even on his worst game, he's probably still going to outscore you because he's one of the top scorers in the league. But then you also mix into the fact that he is the best defender in the league, and you're probably not going to do well against him offensively. Even Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard absolutely dismantles Kevin Durant all the time. Oh, I, I, yeah, I know. I mean, that, that first conference finals, when, when he got hurt, I mean, I know it was the third quarter, but he was giving them the fucking business. And honestly, man, I still think that, that Ky, the best of Kawhi is still yet to come. Like, he can't be older than 28, 29, right? Like, he is, he's 20, still he is 28. Oh, yeah. So this is my story. So he is 28. So he's a year older than I am. He's a class ahead of right. ahead of me, right? So my junior mm-hmm. year, we play. We, we're um, my junior year. We have a really good high school basketball team. We're like from the start of the season talked about going to state. Um, we have a guy on our team who was a four star recruit, ends up going to UCLA on a full ride. I mean, it's like a six ten center, mm-hmm. um, right? So he, in his class, he had Clay Thompson and Kawhi Leonard also in his class of like <laughs> recruiting, right? He's higher wow. ranked than both of them. And crazy. Dude, ranked higher than both of them. These two players pan out to be some of the two best players in the NBA, top 20 players in the NBA. He's I think playing basketball in Japan. I don't know. We weren't exactly close, but <laughs> um anyways, <laughs> in that year we're doing really well, but the team who was high the only team that was ranked higher than us and then state for a while was King High School, which is where Kawhi Leonard was playing. Kawhi Leonard was also playing with another oh, wow. NBA talent in Tony Snell. Those two players absolutely dominated the California basketball scene, dude. They were unbeatable. I think they ended up losing three times, but like they were beatable, but very rarely. They were, I mean, they were unreal. They won state. I mean, they were just ranked number one in our state. Too. Kawhi's team did. Oh, Kawhi's team was unbelievable. Dude, they were unbelievable. They were so good. I mean, but they had two NBA but players on their team. Yeah, exactly. And then two solid ones. Like, Tony Snell has slept on it. I'm not saying he's a great player, but he's a solid NBA yeah, player. Yeah, like, Tony, Snell, Tony, Snell, Tony Snell had, like, actual solid roles in in the series, too. Like, or not in the series, um, in his career. Like, he was a pretty big role player on uh, the Chicago Bulls for a while. Yeah, he was. And I'm pretty and sure was, his first year in the Bucks too. too. I was gonna say it's crazy to me that Ka- that Kawhi Leonard was so under recruited because I think I remember when he got to San Diego State they were a solid team like when he was they would make runs in the tournament so I'm thinking like the Sweet Sixteen there were a couple of years where San Diego State was in it I'm pretty sure Kawhi Leonard was on those teams yeah no uh, the year Kemba Walker won the title with uh, UConn he knocked out Kawhi Leonard's team and I think I think the Elite Eight maybe the Sweet Sixteen but it was like a really close game they ended up winning by like three or four or something. 
that Kemba Walker run, man. <laughs> you talk about talk about a clutch gene and a killer instinct. Kemba Walker was filthy so in that series. Cardiac Kemba, bro. Dude, unbelievable. That dude. I so I was watching him in the Big East tournament and how dominant he was. I was just like, okay, I'm like, this this is the NCAA tournament, and I'm like, what's going to separate the championship team from? Um, all these other teams is going to be uh, having a guy who can take over. And so my dad's office pool, I put UConn to win it all. I got, I was the only one wow. to put UConn. I was the only one. I was just watching him dominate. And I was like, dude, he's going to, he's getting hot at the right time. And he's proven that in the end of the game, just put the ball in his hands and he can score. And that's what you need in these tournaments. And so I was like, done. Put it in. One my, it one my, it one my dad's office pool. Like the Big East was loaded. The Big East was loaded with dude, teams. They, like, dude. they had to win out. They had to win the whole tournament to yeah. get into the NCAA tournament that year. Because they did terrible in the league, so or in the season, in their conference. So it was like they had – the only way they were really talked about is getting into the tournament was they were winning the Big East tournament. And then at that point it was like, right. yeah, they're going to make it to the Big East. They'll make it to the NCAA tournament, but – they're obviously not going to be able to sustain this to the championship. And they did. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. Unbelievable. Well, hey, man, last thing before I know we're going to get out of here because we all got things to do because um, I got to go back to bed because it was so fucking early. That I, got up today. Um, I cannot wait for that. Um, so I want to dive into my favorite topic right now, and that is going to be the top five most overrated players in the NBA. I will go ahead and start with my okay. five. Hit it. Let's hear it. At number five, I have – I'm going to switch this. At number five, I have Chris Paul. I think he, I think he, I think it's at the point where it's getting to the point in his career and he's done absolutely nothing where – the reason I lowered him, and I, I did have him originally at four, and the reason I lowered him is because at this point, he's kind of now just living up to his expectations of you know he's not going to go very far in the playoffs. Yet everybody – Yeah, I completely agree. Where now it's – I can't even say that he's like – maybe he's not even overrated because he's really done nothing. He's never – you know what I mean? Like he's really done nothing. He's ne- he made it past the second round once in his career, and then yet people talk about him as being a straight player, and I'm like – Really? What, what has he done? He's been good. On, he's been a good player on a good team that's never made it anywhere. Okay, I'll give you that. But like, so was Michael Finley. Like, <laughs> I don't think. I don't think right. that's a very good thing. I don't know. No, I, I think Chris Paul is what he is. What he is, man. Like, I, I think that. I think he's a. I would say good player. Not great, and that's what that's what I think that there yeah. was a lot of and, like, and he's coming out of Wake Forest. Okay, I got a question for yeah. you. I got a question for you. I want your honest opinion on this. Is he a Hall of Famer? Yes, but I think that's just off the numbers he's generated. Like I think when he get, when he ends his career, he's gonna be elite. I think he's already top ten in assists, and I think he'll probably be somewhere around the twenty thousand point okay, range. Okay, then, that then, the then you have to make the argument that he is a great player. I don't even know that he should really make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I, I mean, I, mean, I he's get, a player. I get maybe he's like a second, maybe third ballot Hall of Famer, but he's not a first ballot. There's no way, and I don't think that he should make the Hall of Fame because, like, yes, 
Charles Barkley never won an NBA Finals, but he got there, and he never had the team that the. Uh, I mean, he, yeah, no, I'm gonna stay with that. He never. Had, uh, uh, no, his Finals team was better than probably. No, actually, no, no. I am gonna stick to this. No, Charles Barkley never had the team that Chris Paul's had. Chris Paul's had very good teams, and Charles Barkley made it to the Finals. Didn't win, but he made it. He, Chris Paul, has never made it past the second round. But one he time, did make it to the conference final last year. But, but one that, time that was really that's what I'm saying is, but one, yeah, time, one time he's never made it past this the conference or the second round. You're telling me that's a Hall of Fame player? Why? Because his stats were good during the season. Who gives a shit? So is James Harden's, but James Harden then blows cock in the playoffs. Right. I I don't know. I, I just I I'm not. I kind of agree with with what you're saying that like. Like based on like, I, th- I think if you're a first ballot Hall of Famer, you know you're one of the greatest players of all time. Or like, it should be no question. But I mean, think about it, dude. I bet you Chris Bosh is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Let's look at his criteria: somewhere around twenty thousand points, around twenty or eighteen to twenty points a game, and and you know he's got the All Stars and the championships, and so he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I, I think now the, with the current state of the NBA, it, I think he's a it, Hall of Famer because of his sympathy. People are going to have for him for having to retire early. I think that's why he's a Hall of Famer. Right. I think people get caught up in that. I don't. I don't think Chris Bosh is as good as people think he is. I think he's a great player, but like, dude, when Chris Bosh at his highest, he, highest point was a top twenty player, maybe top fifteen if you are really going to make an argument. But that I mean, no higher than number, like no higher than fifteen. He was never. I feel like you can make the same argument for Chris Paul, though. Like Chris, Paul, I don't think Chris Paul has ever been a top ten player in the league. Have you? But again, that that's my point is I don't think Chris Paul is first ballot Hall of Famer. That's I'm saying the same thing for Chris Paul. Or, I mean Chris Bosh. I don't think Chris Bosh is a first ballot Hall of Famer either. I think the only thing that you can argue that he has, and Chris Paul has only made it. Jesus. People will argue that. I think that people people will put that out there. That people will put Chris Paul as a top five point guard of all time. Yes, I think I think people will say that. Do I think it's right? No, but do I think that that it's something that people will argue just based off his, his career numbers when he walks away? Yes, I I, I think that is one of the bolt dude Gary Payton, uh, John Stockton, Pistol Pete, Isaiah Thomas, Steph Curry. That's five right there who are better. There's Magic Johnson, too. But again, I think my definition of a point guard, like a true point guard, is a point guard who is is scoring, but also dishing out assists as much as they're scoring. And then if you're going to tell me a top five point guard, I'm going to tell you that they need to, that they need to have a mass amount of assists uh, as well as score, at least from a statistics perspective. I think that you would include Stockton, Magic, um, uh, Isaiah Thomas, and then I think you could probably loop in Steph Curry there just based off what he's doing from a scoring perspective. And then I think that last one's open to interpretation. Like, I think you could, you could, that's where people will argue that Chris Paul could maybe fit. But I don't even think Chris Paul is the top five point guard in the league right now. So I don't even know that he, I, I don't even know that he would again, be the top five I, I point guard in, in I agree with your argument, but I could totally see it from, other sides do not. See I think top five is a bit. I think top other. five is a bit breezy, but top ten, I think you could say people are going to have arguments there. But I mean, I don't think so. I don't know. But anyways, my my number four is going to be James Harden. I think he's overrated. He, he just again, 
you see it in the playoffs. He's not. He never comes to play. He's a volume shooter. He, he did, anybody who says he really brought it all out on the table on Game Seven or Game Six in Houston, you're full of shit. He shot what fifty eight percent from the line. He was like forty three percent from the field. Like eleven to twenty five from the field yeah, or something did, like that. Out yeah, of Chris, absolutely ridiculous. If James you Harden. Yeah. I was gonna say James Harden is the only player I know where like he's getting thirty six and you're like he played like shit. Like he played like absolute shit. And it's like that already? Next year if he comes mm-hmm. out and is a really good shooter, I think I think you've got a scary fucking team in OKC. But the problem is, is he wants to dominate the ball at the end of the game and then he's shooting all these shots and he's forcing it. Him he, He's not particularly like this series against Damian Lillard. Like he's not a good enough shooter to be doing pull up threes and trying to you know and trying to win this. Like I, he's just not he's not capable of that. Right. I don't know. I no, I, I agree. I, I think I think that Russell Westbrook's best bet from this point forward, and, and dude, I think we we both can appreciate his motor. I feel like we both try to play like that whenever we play sports you know like I love that pedal to the metal I love that grid I love you're the enemy like I'm trying to rip your fucking head off like I I, I appreciate that mentality more than more than anything I mean, Russell Westbrook's one of my favorite players but and it's I think triple doubles point, that are in career, career. right I, I think at this point I think he needs to be, step back and be a second or third third level player on his on a team where you know he's still doing his thing from from um from a distributing perspective and and maybe still getting his triple doubles, but I would appreciate it more if you know if, if Oklahoma City could perhaps bring in another player that and, and where Russell is deferring to to that player and Paul George. I think that's how he kind of gets over the hump. But totally agree with what you're saying. He's just not efficient. He just he kills possessions. He kills the ball. Like at the end of games, I think he tries to will shots in rather than you know like making the right play. Or and and it definitely would and, and here's the thing is like. When the games that he has where he is shooting well, you're like, fuck, dude. If he could play like this consistently, he would be one of the best players in the NBA. And I don't know why I sounded like a cartoon saying that, but he would be one of the best players in the NBA if he was consistent shooter. And he had that like he had that consistency flowing. I dude, he'd be unstoppable because he's a freak athlete and he attacks the rim harder than anybody. And you can't jump yeah. with him, and he's way bigger than almost all these point guards he's going against. Stronger, just taller, longer. Like he's just way bigger. He can physically dominate them. So when he drives, he just has a clear advantage. And now you mix into the fact that he would have a really good shot, dude. That's just a hard, hard, hard guy to defend. And I yeah. hope, I hope this off season, Russ. If you're you're you're, I know you're listening because everybody listens. I want you to develop a consistent jumper that I know you can have knocked down because you will be, I want you to be successful and I think you can. I hope this year you come out and just have a fucking amazing shot. I hope that, I hope to God you do. Um, which leads me into he needs to get in the lab and talking about, up. no, he does. And, and transitioning from bad shots to bad shots. My number two overrated player is Donovan Mitchell. I don't know why this guy thinks he's a good three-point shooter. He's not. I, yeah, he's only a second year in the league. I get that. But he's not a three-point shooter. He's a slasher. He's a lesser athletic Dwayne Wade. I think he's super overrated. Mm-hmm. He's a good number two, I think, is where he will be in his career. And he's the number one on Utah. And Utah's looking at him like he saved their franchise. And I'm like, 
God, I, I hope you're not putting all your faith in Donovan Mitchell to save your franchise. Because if you are, you're gonna be you're gonna be severely disappointed. I think you're gonna go down similar lines as to what Toronto experienced with DeMar DeRozan. It's like DeMar DeRozan's a good player, but you know he's not a superstar. Him, Kemba Walker, him, Kemba Walker, and Donovan Mitchell, those are the they're like all the same type of players. It's like they're not they're not good enough to be considered a superstar, but they're definitely above being just a regular star. Like, I don't... That's my opinion. Like, I definitely think DeMar DeRozan... No, actually, I would just consider them stars. They're, like, really good players, but they're just not good enough to be a true number one and, like, make your team a a championship contending team. Right. And then, uh, my number one most overrated player, which is, I'm just... I'm, I'm not even going to make a long argument. Uh, ben Simmons, he is the most overrated player in the game. It, it, he's had three years to develop even a little bit of a shot. All I'm going to say is you can't be in the NBA three years and have no noticeable difference in your game. Like you, di- He didn't improve anything. He did not improve anything. He's overrated. He's going to sit there and talk about, make all these dumbass excuses and Talk shit to the fans like he did after he was getting booed in Philly. Like, dude, yeah, because you fuck fucking shit, dude. You suck shit. Like, go it, yeah, go develop I mean, a fucking jumper. Come back and then play instead of just bitching about it. Like, because fans were booing you. Yeah, tough shit, dude. We're paying you a fuck ton of money and you're not doing anything. And you're six foot ten, athletic, a great defender. You have all the fucking tools and makings to be a successful, actual top ten player in this fucking league where there's only five hundred people in the world that have the opportunity to play in this. You're amongst the top ten of those people in the entire fucking world. That's where you would be. No, and how do you miss out right. on that opportunity? Because you don't want to what? Spend some fucking time in the goddamn gym and actually develop a jumper, dude. You got a chicken wing jumper. Your elbow sticks out every fucking time you shoot. It pisses me off. Ben Simmons, you're overrated. No, you're right. That's plain and simple. Very. And I know I took really long with all of these, so I want you to dive in no, quickly. Okay. With who are yeah, your top five most overrated players in the NBA? So number five, I got Kyrie Irving. Uh, let me preface this by saying I love Kyrie Irving's game. I love I love his handle, though, but I think that he gets a lot of credit for that final shot, that, that game seven shot over Steph Curry. I think that, you know, everyone's like, oh, Kyrie Irving is his top five, top ten player, and this and that. I mean, we just saw what happened when he had a franchise to himself. Like, they imploded. He imploded. I think you, you look at his numbers, I, I think Kyrie Irving, everyone wants to look at him as a number one, as a guy who should have his own team. And to be honest with you, I think Kyrie is more suited for a number two. And and I I, uh, I mean, look at his points per game total. When, when he's with Braun as a number two, he's putting up around 25. He has his own team on the Celtics. He's around 22, 23. Like, you got the ball. You got more possessions, like, drawn up for you, like, like you don't have to stand there and wait for the ball from Braun, and and I think that he really he really faltered in the role where where he where he desired to That's be. So to I see. think Kyrie, I think Kyrie is is a is a two at best. Um, I don't think that he he has the mental fortitude to handle his own team. And I think if you look at him before LeBron and him after LeBron, it's kind of the same player. A guy who gets hurt a lot, a guy who's kind of needy, um, and a guy who. Just doesn't play up to the potential of a of a number one guy. So I have Kyrie at five. 
I um, honestly, Chris, remember, I, I, I want to hear your thoughts on that. I, I'm into that. I agree with everything that you said. Um, I, I just think he wasn't on my list simply because I think he, I, I think he is a truly talented player. I think, I think he's, I think he's a number one player with a number two mentality, like a number two player mentality. That's the way I look at him. Like he just, he, he makes too many excuses for himself and he wants to be that. He, he wants to be the best player on the team, but with like a number two player role. And, right. And those two like things. The guy who's not the answer all the questions kind of thing. Yeah, like they don't they don't have you don't you don't get that luxury of both of those. But I, I, I'm really into that. I, I, I like it and also because I hate Kyrie Irving, so I like it even more. Right. Um, who's your number four? Number four, I'm gonna go with Russ. I got Russ at number four. No, I think I, I love Russ. I mean, everything we talked about, I love his game, but I, I do think that you know those two MVPs and the triple doubles are kind of not like a masking agent, but that they kind of don't tell you the whole story. I mean, when you look at it, I mean, it's incredible that Russell Westbrook was able to average triple double for three years. Like that's unheard of. But I think. I think his stats are kind of goosed, man. Like, I think if you watch, like, I think his teammates openly allow him to go get rebounds sometimes just so he can goose his numbers. I think that – here, here's a staggering number for you. He's shooting 50% from the free throw line like a year or two ago. You're shooting around 80. I'll tell you this, man. That 2016 year that the Thunder blew a 3-1 lead to the Warriors, he was a monster that year. That was my last – like the last year I genuinely enjoyed Russ because he could still shoot a little bit. And, and that grit was there, and, and, and I obviously just, I mean, and you're seeing it now, like, I, I think that, that Portland Trailblazers series really exposed him, like, really showed oh God, that, like, you know, that he can kill possessions, he can kill leads, like, what, I, I think they're up, like, 80 points with, like, four minutes left in that game, like, Russ, Russ is trying to push it down the court, like, I just think, I think that his gritty mentality sometimes hurts his team. And, and I think a lot of people let the triple-doubles come into play. and be like, oh, he averaged a triple-double. Like, he, he's this top-five player. But I, I just, so, you know, just, just the way he plays, I, I think it hurts his team more than helps him. To your art, to, and to your point, I, I, here's the other thing, though, I, I truly, truly do believe. Um, triple-doubles are not what they used to be anymore. They're, they're completely different than how they used to be. Triple-doubles are a lot e- – the way the game is played now, where it's a lot faster paced, right. the shots are going up a lot quicker, there's way more possessions – um, triple doubles are a lot easier to come by and I don't think people are like well you know these players are just so amazing like okay but look at the dramatic spike even in just the last three years look at the dramatic spike of triple doubles that have been happening like they're way more common than they've ever been before ever right ever like yeah, that's exactly. why I mean look at the difference between Oscar Robinson and Russell Westbrook when they when um when they each got their first, like triple doubles for a season like look at the length between those two and now Russell Westbrook has done it two more years in a row and then on top of that like you, he's not the only one doing this James Harden's getting like 15 in a season um LeBron Joe James is getting a bunch like too LeBron's season. getting a bunch now too yeah like Ben Simmons is getting them like dude they're Draymond Green gets them I I could go on they they're a lot more common right. than they have ever been when I was growing up in the early 2000s, for you. mid 2000s, you think Russell Westbrook is the first ballot Hall of Famer, dude? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of feeling you there. Yeah, that's a hard one. It is. 
because you know he's going to finish with the most triple doubles all time. And I think that that's going that's everyone's going to look at that. Like, I'll bet you that Russell Westbrook finishes around like twenty five, like nine and nine or something like that. Like that. So he'll be somewhere where he's almost like he'll be somewhere around a triple double average for his career. I'm not going to say he's going to get it, but like again, man, it's kind of that Chris Paul thing where he's got the numbers to say he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But if you look into his career a little more, like it's like okay, like he really doesn't have anything to show for it. And if you really, really look into it, his play definitely hurts his team more than helps. Yeah, um, I don't, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, you wouldn't put him first ballot. I, I don't. I, think I, so. I, I can understand your argument, but everyone would have him first ballot. I feel like I feel like Allen Iverson of this generation almost. Yeah, but. I want to because so, here, 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 is, here he is, is Russell Westbrook is a first ballot Hall of Fame talent, but he, like you said, he just he he hurts his team. He's like a he's like Carmelo Anthony. Um, he's just a team killer. Um, but here's the thing: right. he's still got a lot left in his career, and I think Russell Westbrook is smarter than players like Carmelo Anthony. And I think Russell Westbrook, I'm confident that Russell Westbrook's going to come out with a whole new game this year. He's going to learn to change his pace. That's all he has to do. He just learns yeah, to slow down. Yeah, he's going to have to. If he learns how to slow down and change up a little bit, I think nobody's going to be surprised. But well, I, I'm I confident this year. I have, I have a feeling this year he's going to come out and be totally different. And I'm standing by that. That's my way too early prediction of the season. Russell Westbrook is going to be. Russell Westbrook is going to come out next year, and he's going to be an amazing shooter, and he's going to be one of the best players in the NBA next year, possibly a runner and candidate for MVP. Hey man, I'd love to see it. I love it. I love the way he plays. So that would be, it would be really cool to see to see that because he's Russell, getting crushed right now for it. Russell Westbrook, please do not let me down. <laughs> Don't let Fair me enough. eat my words. Um, okay, so who is your number three? Number three, I got Joel Embiid. Um, I think Joel Embiid is, <laughs> at least what the media says, is the next Shaq. But man, I mean, just, just look, I mean, if you, first off, he's missed 63% of his games as a sixer. I think he, he's a guy, you know, who, who definitely has the talent, but is definitely not consistent. I mean, you, you saw that game seven against the Raptors, man. He should be on the fucking block. And, and I'll get into why he's not like like dominating down there right after this with my next take with my next pick. But like, it's like he, play, he plays like a two guard sometimes, and it's like no, like you're seven makes, three. Well, get down on the fucking block and be the beast you but are. I think that's what it's makes like, Joel Embiid so good, though, as he's able to also shoot. That's what makes him so game-changing is he's this guy who can be on the block and dominate you on the block, but then he's also somebody who can do a 20-foot jumper fadeaway on you. Um, I mean, if you really watch Game 7, he was really slow off the start, but I mean, it's a Game 7. Everybody is. Everybody gets tense, but in the fourth quarter, man, he started to play really well. Um, I do think he faded away in the last two minutes. At least, it seemed like they even weren't letting him shoot, but or they weren't really running the offense through him either. Um, but I under... I, I, no, see, I, mean, I think, yeah, you, have a, I think you have a fair argument. I think you can make that argument because he's what has he really done? You know exactly because he hasn't really played. Exactly. He has played. I, I I see your point. I just think he's too obvious of a talent, and he's so still so young 
Like, right. there's a difference between, like, how I made the argument with Ben Simmons, he's only a third-year year, and you can see a difference in a game from Joel Embiid's first year, second year, third year, fourth year, fifth year, I believe he's in. Um, his game has developed. You've seen him get better at things. You know what I mean? He, I right. would say his first year, he focused a little too much on, uh, like, shooting, and, like, he wasn't a good defender, and he wasn't rebounding enough, and... Like he's seven foot two and he's getting seven, eight rebounds in a game. Like, dude, he should be getting ten rebounds every fucking game. There's dude, no he should speed. be a thirty and fifteen guy. Is what he should like based off his athleticism, size, like skill. Like, he should be a thirty and fifteen guy. Like, at least that's, 15, that's what. Dude, that's a fucking ridiculous stat line. I would say twenty six and I would say twenty six and eleven. If you average twenty six and eleven for a season, twenty six twelve. I think he could do. Um. I just think he needs to be like he just needs to take care of his body more. Like I don't think he, I don't think he's the right yeah, way. Like when you're that big and you have those kind of injuries, like. But he's every every big gets that thing though. Every big gets that. Every big goes through that. Yeah. Did it? Dwight Howard had what like two, three back surgeries. Like these bigs always are getting hurt, but they're also big folks, dude. Like these are some of the biggest fucking people you ever meet in your fucking life. Like yeah. Abnormally, like you're not supposed to be that big. Like your body is not supposed yeah, to handle that kind of torque. And be able to move like they're moving. Like seven foot seven footers who are not athletes already have a hard time living. Now put your now put that <clears throat> into somebody who's going to be like running and jumping at a professional level and moving like that at that size. Like you're just going to that's like a hard. I just feel like that's a hard thing to maintain. I think you're just going to be more prone to injury. Um, I mean, hence his fucking. Career, but I get your I, I understand yeah. your argument have faith in him I think he's better than you think he is I, I think you might be wrong on this but I, I do understand your side but I think you are wrong on this right. I think he I think he's shown changes and I think he's still so young that I yeah, well, I mean it, it's interesting he's got, he's got it, it is interesting because that, that Philadelphia that Philadelphia storyline over there is a very interesting storyline as to what's going on. So I totally know what you mean. You would think for his talent, because we all know he's a world-class talent, you just think he needs to be producing more. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I understand that. Yeah. I want to dislike this, but I kind of like it. Fuck. (laughs) 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 I mean, it's fair. Yeah, my number two, I'll have to say, is Ben Simmons. Um, uh, for every reason you just said more, I just, I mean, with, with that size, with that ability, like that vision, like, I don't know, everyone's like, oh, Benson needs to be a 22 and 10 guy. It's like, well, how about you work off fucking jump shot, dude? Like, you play basketball for a living. Like, you're telling me, it, it doesn't even look like he, like, has work on a jump shot. Like, like what are you doing in your offseason, dog? Like, just work on a damn jump shot. Like, I, I don't get it. it. It doesn't make any sense to me. And it, it, you can tell, man, like, I feel like he blatantly hurts his team because, like, the only place that he's good is on the block. Like, you can't put him anywhere else. Like, they won't defend him if he's not on the block. And so I feel like that impacts Embiid. I feel like that impacts their spacing and, and ultimately hurts the team. And, and, and for the fact that, like, this guy's supposed to be an all-star or was, like, an all-star this past year, you, you tell me an all-star is going to go out and get, get you seven points in the playoffs, like, consistently like it's, it's not just like once or twice like he's getting that more than he's getting like i don't know the stereotypical bench and the numbers that we think he should be getting it's 
I don't know. Massively Wait, overrated, I so feel. So then if Ben Simmons is your number, who's your number two? I said Ben Simmons is two. And I had Joel Embiid three. I had Kyrie at five. And I had four. Exactly. You had five, four, three. Who's your number two then? Kyrie. I had... I definitely had someone. It's slipping my mind. Hold on. Kyrie. <laughs> God damn it, Stone. Kyrie. That definitely had someone. I don't know. I got off on a tangent. No, Um, yeah, you went Kyrie, and then you said Joel Embiid, and then Ben Simmons. No, I said Russ, too. I said Russ. Oh, you're right. No, you said Russ was for Ben Simmons. Yeah, so then who's number one? I got James Harden at number one. I I, don't know, man. I'm I'm hearing fucking media reports that he's supposed to that he's in consideration as a top three shooting guard ever. I'm like, oh, fucking shit. I've never seen a dude shrink more in big moments than him. He's the only guy I know that can go out and get 35 a game and it be considered a bad game. I think he's everything that's like this AAU mindset now where, I don't know, it's just soft, man. I, I, I just don't. I, I don't I don't buy with James Harden's game. Like, I, I just, watching him against the Warriors, like, that series is in your hands to take over time and time again. Like, you just continue to fold and... I just, I just think that he he's the most overrated MVP that that, that we've seen in a long time. I um, I just don't like his game. I think he's the one guy you could say like he's a, a good player, but you hate his game, you hate his style. Um, and I think it's shown time and time again that when it's on him, you can't do it. Like you just can't. I think um, game game six and seven of last year, like ball is in his hands to go to the finals. He got like one game, and you know he goes like two of of 14 from three last two games, like something crazy like that. Like the numbers are so like when the, when the pressure's on, like you need James Harden to deliver, like he will not deliver. And so he's the number one most overrated player. I think the most overrated MVP people ever have. Yeah, he's definitely an MVP. He's definitely a season. Yeah, he's, he's like Peyton Manning. He's like Peyton, I think Peyton Manning kind of came through in the postseason down the stretch, but you know, same kind of thing, you know, going off in the regular, like astronomical, astronomical numbers. And I think, I think if you look at the comparisons between regular season and playoffs, like James Harden's numbers dropping everything, every single thing, efficiency, assists, points, uh, you know, anything across the board. I'm almost positive that that he that he that he's just a less of a player when when you know when it counts the most. And so, I, and I think everyone looks at him as like this this great player, this top five guy, this guy. Uh, a perennial all-star, potential first ballot Hall of Famer, and I just don't see that. Like, like the thing that gets me too, it's like I think uh, a couple years ago, man, they were playing the Spurs in Game Six. Uh, Houston was at home. Kawhi Leonard's hurt, so it's just all the old Spurs players, like just straight fundamentals out there. And my man goes two for eleven, and then pops up at, at B Live, some strip club in uh in in, in in Houston afterwards. Like, just a fraud, just a fake, like. Not a gamer, and shrinks when shrinks when the pressure's on the most. I would agree. That's why I had him in there. I I think. I just think. Yeah, no, I I think where you can kind of make the argument with him is he's just a seasoned player. He he's good stats, um, but like you said, when when things matter. The game, 
and the game's on the line, he just never delivers. He's just nope, never. He's not. He's not somebody who looks confident in. I don't know. I don't know. He, you know he just, just, he's definitely a seasoned guy. He just, he's like somebody who's really good. Like he'll get you to the league, and then it's. I don't know. He will have like excuse lie. Like his team just wasn't good enough around him. Because look what he did during the season. Right. He was so good. It's like yeah, and then look what he did in the fucking postseason. He was shit. His team did fine. Uh-huh. Like, dude, Eric Gordon it was probably their most consistent player throughout the playoffs. Uh, yeah, except for that closeout game against the Warriors, you had like nine points. No, I'm talking about this year. Yeah, Eric Gordon, yeah. I'm talking about that game six against the Warriors this year. I think, like, James Harden had, points. like, the ugliest 35 ever. Chris Paul, like, 27. Eric Gordon had, like, nine. But I, I didn't really see his numbers throughout the playoffs, so that was the only, that was the only time I Maybe really I'll eat my words. Did. I think you might be right. But, um... Yeah, eat words, fucker. Damn. That's full play. <laughs> well, hey, man. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I, I, I want one last thing. Um, I got a would-you-rather coming your way. This is something I want to start uh, doing every week. I want to try something something different um cool so every time we're gonna do something different with like a would you rather it could be funny do with whatever the case is um okay but oh man okay would you rather have lived in like the 1800s the civil war and been Filthy, filthy rich, or be super poor now? Ooh. Hmm. That is a good question. I think that I would rather be super poor now. I say that because I think that back then you didn't have access to a lot of things like the med- the simple medicines that you need to, you know, like back then you could die from like something like, I don't know, like a virus of sorts would kill you. I think in this day and age, like, I think things are easier to do even if even if you aren't like like even if you are extremely poor like for example like you could go you could walk into a shelter right now and they could put you in like a little program where you know you, they help you find a job you you stay there for free you get meals for a month you, you get back on your feet I think back then there really wasn't anything like that there weren't programs in place to help you out so I think like being super rich back then is nice but like if you don't have the adequate technology or medicine to you know like overcome simple things that we can overcome today. Um, that's probably why I would say, what would you pick? I'm curious what you would choose. Would you rather be super rich back then and or super poor right now? I think I would agree with you. I think super poor now. Um, because yeah. I don't think there was the technology enough um, for me to want to be super rich where it would be that more of a benefit. Because like... Right. If it were like now you say super rich in like nineteen thirty, I probably would pick that. But like eighteen say eight let's just say eighteen fifty, I mean fuck, they were still doing they still only had like muskets and shit. Like they I don't even they didn't have electricity, they didn't you know, they were still by fucking lamps and shit like that. Exactly. Yeah, I'm like completely agree with that to be honest. Yeah, like so being filthy rich just all that meant back then was you probably had bathtub that was like the only 
like you had a bad <laughs> yeah that was about it that was a little more hygienic than other people and like your i don't know your your probably clothes were a little cleaner but like i don't I, there was no there was no truer advantage i would say back then Like yeah, they're I both can, exposed I, to I the same medicine, that. things like that. I don't. Yeah, right. not in the, it was too too early in civilization's time for me to care enough that much about that. So, um, exactly. And like you said, dude. Like, dude, it, you gotta remember too is like 1850 in uh, the East Coast compared to the West Coast were two completely different things. Because like in the West Coast, dude, right. the Wild West, people were like dying just from like diarrhea. All that was, was like simple dehydration. Yeah. Like people were dying all the time. And you're like, holy fuck. Hell no. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Hell, exactly. hell no. I, I would agree with you on that. Well, man, hey, thank you so much for stopping by. Uh, I appreciate the call. Um, I look forward to doing this again. I know you and I will definitely be linking up. I would say we try and get something on the books for a football season because um, I know I'm going to yeah. be barking when my Philadelphia Eagles are winning it and uh your pittsburgh Steelers are going eight and eight for second place in their division yeah probably suck a dick you guys are finally good on tonight you get to talk shit fuck you hey i've been waiting my whole life for this so um thank you again chris um i i appreciate you stopping by and i look forward to doing this again yes man thank you so much for having me on it was awesome thank you not a problem take it easy brother and uh, have a good one Bye. i take care of my man i'll check you So thank you folks for listening. That was Christel Bene. Um, he's just an incredible friend of mine. Uh, we met in college. Um, I would like to just, again, thank him for, you know, carving out more time to re-record with this. And um, next week, I will, actually not next week, not tomorrow, I will have on um, my guest will be Mikey Van Horn, my dear friend, uh, Mitch, or who I like to call Boosie, will be on my show. Um, don't know what we'll be talking about, but we will figure it out. So thank you again for coming by, and um, a big shout out to Pepto Bismol. Um, they are not a sponsor of mine, but I just I really love their product. Um, so I'll give them a quick shout out. Uh, upset stomach is what I use it for for when I go out drinking. Uh, it is a great stomach coder. I suggest you do it after all nights of drinking um, because I'm telling you right now, it works wonders. So uh, thank you, Pepto Bismol. You helped me the other night. Um, again, just a fantastic product, and they are not paying me for this, but maybe they should be. Have a good one.